Welcome in to the Amon Green Show, sponsored by Doors Plus on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 12-year NFL veteran. He's got some speed to go with strength. Huskers and Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer. Shovel pass to Green into Vikings territory. Finally brought down. And University of Nebraska eSports coach. Look at Green. Ball by himself. 20, 10, touchdown. 98 yards and a Lambo leap. Here is your host, Amon Green. <laughs> What's up? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amon Green. Got my man Harrison on the ones and twos in Lincoln. How you doing, Harrison? Doing good. It is getting cold and miserable up here in Lincoln, though. For everyone that's up here around here, I'm sure they know it. The roads are not great. Shout out to the city of Lincoln. I know doing the best they can. But yeah, we got some uh, pretty rough weather coming here our way. When are you getting back to Lincoln there, Amon? Because you might this weekend. So oh my lord, you couldn't have timed it any worse. You're gonna pull up right where we're starting to get into the negatives consistently. I think a negative two might be the high for one of the days over the weekend here. Maybe even sooner than that. So you didn't quite time it up too well. Uh, you're you're going to be heading into the real cold, but you're used to it, being a it's, Packer yeah, and a Husker at one is. point. And, time. And, and negative two to me, coming from Wisconsin, still having thick blood, it's going to feel like 20 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I, uh, I've i been seeing updates because I noticed uh, I got an alert from my work email at university that campus was closed. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a pre-session going on. There is classes uh that are open and active right now. And it was like, don't, don't come, don't come to campus today. You know, we have winter advisory and all that, all that jig of rigmarole, I would say all that rigmarole. Yeah. We had some high school games already canceled um, as a result. And it's just, it's getting to that time of year. You can usually bank on a few of those as we get into the January and February. But since we're kind of getting through the weather here, let's go ahead and dive into a little bit of college football. Just give me your overall thoughts. Michigan beats the number two Washington team. Uh, surprisingly enough, the number one team when they're facing the number two team was actually 0-3 up until Michigan was able to take down Washington. 34-13 to initial thoughts on what appeared to be a dominant performance from Michigan, especially early on. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It, the game went close to what I thought it would. Um, Washington did put up a fight. Phoenix Jr., he was up to snuff, up to par, I would say, being a competitor out there. He was 27 for 51, 255 yards and a touchdown, and might have had a couple more there that his receivers dropped. Yeah, a lot you of drops. Coming balls. out of a, a route, um, I believe it was uh, uh, Jalen, uh, not Jalen, was it Jalen? No, that's a recess. McMillan? Back, so. Yeah, D- Dylan, I think it was uh, Jalen McMillan. Yeah, mm-hmm. he came out of his route the wrong way. He instead of he kind of, po- you know, came out with his um, inside shoulder instead of turning to the outside shoulder. So he kind of had to, you know, pirouette around and try to catch the ball. And so there's a few that that play right there. You score that, then it's a different game. But then defense tried to do their best. But I would say Michigan's offensive line, man, just. And Donovan Edwards getting the holes that he was able to get. I mean, you could drive a back truck through those holes that he that he had running down the field. And so the game itself kind of went like I thought it would go because Michigan, you know, three years ago they got beat up, right? Yeah. They, they win the Big Ten, dominate the Big Ten, and then get to the FB the um, um, CPC. What what's going on over there? <laughs> um, get to the college football playoff and just were dominated by Alabama um, in that first year for them. And so now you saw the adjustment. 
you saw the the reprogramming. Okay, this is what we got to do now because this playing against Bama most likely is going to be the team or Georgia. The teams that we got to ride through in the SEC, ACC teams are not giving up no ground. They got to they're going to make us earn it, and so they had to. They did that, and they went through Alabama, stopped them, slowed them down, got the victory, and then did the same thing here against Washington, which. Like I mentioned, which in pri- mentioned prior to talking about it, was that um, Washington. Eh, 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 remember, I need you to be quiet, okay? <laughs> Trying to manage a four-year-old here. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, to you know, like Washington, like I mentioned, to manage their team in terms of being a defensive team or an offensive team, trying to score on them or trying to keep them from scoring. You know, it was going to, like I said, it was going to be an interesting thing to find out if if Phoenix Jr. and the receivers going to get on the same, be on the same page and make plays, but they weren't. They are just off. And, and now it's because of Michigan's defense, um, playing stuff, playing hard, playing tough, not giving up anything. You know, Michigan being third in the red zone throughout the um, throughout their college, throughout this 2023-2024 season mm-hmm. was a big, um, I say, uh, drawing factor that when they got in the run zone, it got tough for Phoenix and and that offense for Washington. Um, Johnson, the running back for Washington, Dylan Johnson, he tried to his best effort to get out there. He still tried to run on that bad foot from from previous week, and he did his best, but it was still you know tough sledding and just the power, just the effort, and then just everything that I talked about off the field. You could see that coming to a head for Michigan once they. Got a couple turn. Once they got the turnovers in the second half, it was pretty much a done deal. The pick, um, it, it was almost a pick six, but the big interception that went for like seventy yards. Yeah, got tackled in the, you know, on the twenty. Seeing those plays happen, and that when I saw that play, but it was really when I saw Blake, uh, Corum, and Donovan Everett, their two big runs, and both of them having two touchdowns apiece. You know, the run game is what dominated. They had over three hundred yards to the pass game, one hundred and forty for total for the game, um, for JJ McCarthy. So. Knowing that, no surprise, because that offensive line is built tough. Harbaugh, his brother, uh, Shanahan, even though they're both pros, they all have that same makeup of building a team that's defense is hard hitting and their offense, if anything, they're going to run the ball down your throat and then have a pass game if they can. And they do. They had all those traits to it in, in this game on um, um yesterday so it was a like i said great game to watch it was competitive but it wasn't it wasn't a blowout but blowout it was just the things were kind of decided towards the end of the game yeah four, 14 for michigan in that fourth quarter like you said is a situation where you knew um if it was a third and long fourth long situation michael Penix jr was going to drop back and try to get the ball out to keep the game alive but it did get away from them towards the end and you talked about Michael Penix Jr. He, he played okay. okay. It, it felt like they shot themselves in the foot a lot more. He talks about some dropped balls, some miscommunication, 21 for 51, two interceptions and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy, um, you know, he he might have had one of the easiest jobs in a college football yeah. championship game I've seen in a while. I mean, credit to him. He did what he needed to, but 10 for 18, 140 yards. He, he didn't have to really impose himself on the game. Michigan was just dominating the line of scrimmage. Whether you believed it or not, I think three years in a row, that's probably been the best interior. You want to talk about the trenches. Michigan's been one of the best at it going three years in a row now. Yeah. And they just completely dominated. And then you you talked about Edwards a little bit. It, to me, it almost looked like Washington was a little bit surprised with Edwards early on because you, you go up against mm. a guy like Corum, yeah. very patient runner. If you stay in your assignments and mm. your gaps, if you stay patient, um, Quorum is a lot more of a patient runner. Edwards gets into the game 
and he sees the holes clogged. He's not patient. He cuts it back right away. And there's just open daylight on that long run. There's no one on him. All his assignments that just couldn't account for him. And he was just caught out there wide open. I think the speed surprised him a little more as well. I think Edwards has got a little bit more speed on him compared yeah. to Corum. A little and, longer. He's yeah. a little longer. And you saw that when he broke out to the outside, the pursuit angles by Washington on Edwards were just not great in that first, second no. quarter. Uh, I think they really got caught off guard there with having a one-two punch like that in Corum and Edwards. Having that kind of one-two punch, how much does that actually throw a defense off? Having two running backs with a little bit of different styles because that's something that Nebraska yeah. has always kind of been power heavy. Uh, but every now and then, especially in years recently, we've had more of a running back by committee, that one-two punch. What are some of the pros to that style of offense? The pros is for the offense is the fact that defense has to be honest. Um, they ha- they can't be either super aggressive or they can't just lay back on their heels. They And it makes them adjust to the running backs. If they're going in and out of the game, kind of like Donovan and Blake were, and so now they got to okay look at look in the backfield okay oh number two's back there or um was it 26 for donovan Everett? i think he's 26 or 20. um so you got to make sure you check the backfield so you know how each runner hits the hole because they hit the hole differently like you mentioned and so that is what keeps the defense honest and so if they're not on point they're thinking that is blake and it's donovan or vice versa and then they hit the gap or hit the wrong gap a certain way then that as you saw the holes just open wide open because you saw overcommittal from the safeties mm-hmm. and the linebackers and the alignment it made the lineman's uh, job a lot easier. They just took them where they wanted to go. They were blitzing to the outside, just pushed them outside. And then that whole oh, open, the first touchdown run for Dodd for effort opened up and then boom, all he had to do was basically outrun everybody, get to the end zone. And so having those plays like that, then for Washington already behind early, then, then the mental part of the game of being in a big game, all that starts to lay heavy on a player and a coach. Um, so you're trying to make plays that are not there. You're trying to force the ball, um, that's where the interceptions came from, trying to get the ball there. He had a guy, I uh, know, Phoenix, like the second interception late in the game. Um, no, I say actually before the big run. Okay, yeah. He had a guy that was – it was in the red zone. He threw – the guy who picked it off, it was a tight end sitting right in the flat, just just five, six yards away from the receiver he was trying to hit. If he hits that tight end, you get a first down, at least you keep the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in your possession, and now you're – maybe on the 10 or 15 yard line instead of an interception and Michigan going out of the way. Yeah. And that's again with Michigan is just, it's just their defense. I think it was just the best part about that team all year long. Um, you know, no team got 28 points. I think 25 might've been the highest. I think they might've been able to keep everyone under 25 points, 15 games yeah. playing elite opponents. And uh, just for everyone listening to Michigan also had the three most watched college football games this year. Obviously, Washington, and then when they played Ohio State and then Alabama. So they got three of the most watched games in college football this year. Uh, Quite a momentum run for Michigan in this program as they go undefeated. But looking at that, you're talking about the run game. You saw Washington early on have two safeties over top a lot of the times, and they did make adjustments. You saw them having to start bringing up those safeties to help out with the run game. And that's kind of to my point where J.J. McCarthy, like that's, that gives other programs hope out there that you don't necessarily need a what we hope to have in Dylan Rayola and this fantastic quarterback, which I'm sure um, we're all excited for that. But we just kind of saw right then and there that you don't necessarily need to have the most elite quarterback to win it all. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, mm-hmm. he's good. He's a good game manager, but he, he doesn't have, uh, you know, those crazy intangibles that gets everyone excited about a Drake May, Jade McDaniels, 
or uh, I'm obviously Michael Penix Jr., who we just went up against. But no, just a simple game manager trusting in the offensive line. And then you look at the recruiting numbers for Michigan over the years. That's not necessarily your top five, not even top 10 team in terms of recruiting power. It's just development. So I do, do think, yes. despite what your feelings may be about Michigan with all the scandals that were going on this year, it does yeah. lay out some sort of blueprint in the future for some of these other schools to find a way to get it done. How much does Michigan winning this show other programs that you don't necessarily need that elite quarterback? Do you think we'll see kind of a shift in some of these philosophies that these Power 5 programs have and a little bit more Michigan-esque? Or do you think that everyone's still going to be in the mix just trying to get that quarterback and then we'll start uh, step two, step three, step four? Um, I would want to see that because obviously then the attention kind of goes to the run game and O-line and the running backs, right? But I think there's too many egos in college football, high-level college football, so Division One that's going to be in the college playoff and NFL because – but it's better. I say it's better for my time on the football field to then till now. So I think there will be a little resistance, but they'll have their teams. It'll be the teams in the schools that will have what we feel as I want to say management because JJ did more than that. He mad. He played well. Yes. Um, even though he didn't have big numbers, he played well. He played within his game. And so you will have now, you know, like you said, the signal goes out to a lot of colleges where, and, and and as a player, you know this. You don't need top players at the time of recruiting. You know, a three-star, a four-star. You get all that rating stuff. Yeah, yeah. But when you see a player, you watch enough film on players, you know when you got an athlete among a football player, a baseball player, basketball, volleyball, whatever, track. Once you see enough film, you like, and you don't care what the rating is because I see what I see on film. And you want to see a certain thing from your the way you coach teams, offense, defense, linebackers, D linemen, offense alignment, fullbacks, wide receivers, quarterbacks. You see that you'll see it within the first five minutes of watching film on a player. So Harbaugh, when he was recruiting Jay, Jay McCarthy years ago, he saw what he saw on film. Mm -hmm. He either was regard regardless of his game, you know, the legacy behind him and his brother, his mom, his dad, athletes, family. Family, a family full of athletes. So that's one thing where at the end of the day, regardless of what this kid do, I want him on my team because I already know he can play. Two, I know he has the mentality. His dad was a Super Bowl champion. I'm pretty sure he somehow laid a little bit of that knowledge and them kids watching their dad play in Super Bowls, in Pro Bowls, and being on, you know, at practices. I'm pretty sure they were able to absorb that, that type of information. You know, we got Christian doing what he's doing. JJ's doing these money. There's a few other um, younger ones or in between each other that maybe didn't play football, decided to go in other avenues. But when you know, you know it as a coach, as a player, as a scout, watching and following, and then they're, how they carry themselves when they're in a game playing. And you saw that from day one with JJ McCarthy. You saw last year, I say a year ago, it was the youth that's in him. He had to learn some things. The good thing is he had Blake Quorum, he had Donovan Edwards, he had some fantastic wide receivers, and then he had a defense that where he didn't have to lay everything on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. Be like, man, I gotta come out here and I gotta throw for 400 yards a game. I gotta have three touch. I go out there and be the athlete you are. The plays will come, and I'm pretty sure John Harbaugh was um, okay with your Jim Harbaugh was mm -hmm. definitely okay with that because the way he coaches, he he wants the players mm -hmm. to give them. He 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 allows the players to be themselves, and then. He develops them into the athletes he know they can be because he was an athlete. He was a quarterback, college and pro. 
So he knows how to bring them along, just like any former athlete that understands the type of athlete and product they have and then know what to do with them, how to mold them and get them to where they need to be, where they now add them. Now, all these players, not just the quarterback position, for all the players on this um, that have been coached by these coaches on the Michigan staff, they all are pro pro level because of the experience from Jim and everybody trickled down from there of learning how to be a professional and then how to play their positions the right way, minus all the stuff that obviously we know that happened this season. Yeah, and you know, even with all the stuff that happened this season, I think that's one of the things that really helps Michigan. It's a lot of it's just the small things. It's a very tight knit group. They don't let a whole lot of that noise from the locker room get out. If a lot of the discussions stay inside, um, a lot of the drama around Michigan wasn't from inside the locker room. It was from people on the outside looking into mm -hmm. Michigan. So that is one thing about that group, and you have to give credit to Jim Harbaugh. He just knows how to win. You know, at one point in time, you could get tickets to the Brick House, go watch a Michigan football game with the purchase of a Coke. And that's how bad that program was. At one point in time, that was a real yeah. offer to get that place, just get some people in the I building. I remember that. I remember that. Um, I remember they got beat by Appalachian yep, State. Yep, that's, the, that's that time period. And that's where that program was. It was bad. It was bad. just it was la losing all of its – I don't want to say it was losing its um, – Blue blood esteem. prowess, esteem, whatever you want to call it. But it was kind of getting into that Nebraska territory of what once was a great program now struggling to have any sort of success. With Nebraska football, we've always had the fans. With Michigan, they were getting to the point where the fans weren't even showing up anymore. So to right. see them be able to turn it around, um, you do have to give yourself some credit. But with this hindsight being 2020, looking at a Georgia team who didn't get in, that was 29-0. and 0, do you think that we would have that if they were to replace probably a Texas or Alabama, do you think Georgia would be in that championship game, possibly winning it all? Because I still have the feeling that Georgia might have still been the best team out there. Yeah, no, I I, I feel I believe that Georgia was a, was that team. They just got they got slipped up at the right wrong time. Yep, and way everything the ball bounces, the way how voters vote. How the beat, how the playoff, college playoff works out. They were just an unfortunate victim, but obviously, when you saw that game, their bowl game, they prepared, and you heard through the interviews of the coaching staff of that team, uh, Kirby Smart, were saying, "Hey, we practice," and some of the players said, "We practice just like it was the national title game, just as like it was the college playoff. We didn't change nothing, you know." And that's how that's how teams need to play, or that's how teams need to practice. Mm -hmm. That's I say practicing like you're playing the number one team every week is what we did and what i expressed to my esports players i'm like you got to regardless of what the team that you know that you're about to play against and you know they may not be that good so what you treat them like they're the, you play against them like they're the number one team on your schedule because if not if you don't you you have a little bit less respect for them then they're going to show up they're going to have an opportunity in our game then that gives them a little life and if you do that because out of out of disrespect, then that's a, that's our problem. That means we're letting them, you know, we're giving we're not giving them all their credit, regardless of what their ranking is. You play them like they're the number one team. So if they were, you know, any number one team that comes into our facility or we play online or whoever football field, baseball field, basketball court, you treat we're going to play you like the number one team. So that's why we're going to get every ounce of us for four quarters. And then at the end of the game and the way the game you know goes, then if we are the dominant team, we are. But we made sure we gave that team 100% respect to go out there and compete against.
Yeah, and again, I understand, you know, we, we can talk about that Florida State game. Yes, um, we understand it was about, you could argue about 20 key players for that Florida State team opted out of the bowl game, but that's where you give credit to Kirby Smart and what you're talking about in that attitude that we're going to go out here and prove a point that everyone made a mistake for not putting us in the college football playoff. And I think that bodes well for them when it comes to recruiting because now if you're Florida State, you have to have some answers for getting blown out the way you did. And I don't know if you necessarily want to have the conversation of, well, we had 20 of our key guys. That's not a fun conversation to have um, when you're trying yeah. to get those new guys in. When you look at that Georgia team, you can say, hey, we fell short on the SEC right. championship game, but we were right there. If we were getting in there, we're just as good as all the teams in that college football championship bracket. But nonetheless, we have to throw it to break here. That's some yep. our thoughts on the college football championship. We do have Nebraska basketball versus Purdue on Peacock for all those listings. So you got to get your Peacock, uh, maybe do your month trial if you haven't did that already for the volleyball season. I know a lot of people used up their free trial for volleyball, but you might have to use it again tonight because Nebraska yeah, basketball. That's me right there. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I used up my free, my free stuff with Peacock already. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> that's the hardest part now is that I get the argument is like you technically can save money, but keeping track of all those streaming services because um, I, I did the quote unquote free trial for volleyball and I'm still paying for it now because they got some basketball games on there from time to time. But it is on Peacock, eight o'clock, number one, Purdue. They will be playing at the vault versus Nebraska. We'll dive into that as well. But don't go anywhere. This is the Amon Green Show. We got Amon hosts is always streaming in Harrison back at the 1040 Ticket Studios. We'll talk to you guys on the other side. This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Doors Plus. All right, welcome back in right. to the Amon Green Show. Host as always, Amon Green streaming in. Harrison back at the 1040 Ticket Studios running the ones and twos back here. We do have Nebraska basketball tonight at 8 p.m. in the vault. They face number one, Purdue. Good opportunity for Nebraska. Uh, you know, let's just be honest. They've had this will be the third big opportunity this year. You had a big shot versus Creighton. Another big opportunity versus Wisconsin. You got another ranked opponent in Purdue here tonight. Uh, obviously, there's a lot on the line here, but just thoughts going into this game. It's big for Nebraska. If you Again, I keep saying this, but if you want to make the dance, you have to get some of these wins under your belt. It's a lot easier yeah. to do it against a Creighton team. Arguably, it's easier to do it against a Wisconsin team, but you weren't able to get it done those two. So now you're facing a number one Purdue. What does Nebraska basketball um, really need to execute if they're going to have a shot in winning this game? Well, they just got to execute what they what they've been doing with their <laughs> offense. Um, and I'll say obviously defense with Ed, with EB. Is that is it? EB? Yep, Zach EB. I'm saying that right. Yep, EB. Yeah, EB. Um, being a tall guy, being the guy in the middle for Purdue, um, you got to test him, and you, you test him by being offensively sound, um, making sure you don't make it easy on him. So going to the cup and not, you know, really doing nothing with the ball movement to give him an easy block shot move the ball around, make him work on his defensive side, because then maybe um, it wears him out for the offensive side, so where he's beat up enough and tired and because he's ripping and running, trying to make sure he's blocking shots or defending guys one-on-one -on -one or pick and roll things, throwing different things at him to make to make his uh, uh, job a lot harder. And I think overall for the team, for Purdue, you got to do that because they work off of EB when he's doing his thing Everybody else is working hard and getting shots and being the team they can be because he's a middle guy, tall, can block a lot of shots. And when he does that, when he's on his game, then everything just flows for Purdue. So find a way to disrupt that. That's that's any competitor 
coming against another competitor, find the, I say, best route possible to disrupt what they do successively to then give them a chance. When I say them, our Huskers, to give them the chance to get a, you know, get close in the game and get a win. Maybe get mm-hmm. a come out with a win because it went for the three games that we talked about. What they basically split those first two games against Indiana and Wisconsin, yep. and now so they're one for two. They're facing um, they're on the road here, one. right? No, they're they're at home. They or, got Purdue at the ball. In, uh, yep. They're in Lincoln for for Purdue. So knowing that, this is giving us a good opportunity to come out of that. And either way, if they come out of it, still a good push because of playing against some, like you said, really good Big Ten teams here. Yep, and uh, you're at home, right? Nebraska basketball. We're ten yeah. and one at home. You listen to Eric Strickland talk about what it meant to him when he was playing at home, what it really means when you're defending your home court. And Nebraska's been good at this year. They're 10-1. and one. The crowd has been able to get involved. Obviously, Creighton being that one loss. And I, I hate using the term perfect storm game, but that, that is what it kind of felt like with Creighton, uh, the crazy shooting clip mm. they're they're hitting at. Uh, but that's happened right. to a couple, couple times now to you. So you, you can't keep calling on that card uh, what do you know? An AP top 25 opponent was shooting the ball really well. You know, at some point that's indicative of your defense. You have to really put in that extra effort. Um, cause those teams that are ranked typically have guys that can go off in a moment's notice. So you got to push them a little bit more on the three point line. And you talked about it, Zach Eady. He's the guy that, you know, stirs the drink for you. He pretty much sets up about all of their half court possessions, just being the presence he is inside. A lot of inside out. If he has the mismatch, he'll probably just go straight up with it. Uh, but they are really well about moving around the perimeter without the ball. So that's what I'm talking about. If you don't want to you know, stay away from those quote-unquote where you're just blaming it on the other team shooting the ball really well, that's what Purdue's looking for. They're looking to get it inside and move the ball well, really well around on the outside. Uh, just try to catch someone sleeping out there. I think it's a good opportunity for Rink Mast. We talked about yeah. how do you take Zach Eady out of his game. Rink Mass can shoot the ball. You know, he hasn't necessarily been as efficient as he was to start mm-hmm. the season. Coming back from surgery, you can anticipate it a little bit. But I think this is a big opportunity for him. Rink Mass, he comes from a winning program himself. I think if he can find a way to really stretch out Zach Eady, this will give the Nebraska Huskers a good chance to win the game. I mean, they lost to Northwestern. They got pushed really close by the fighting Illini in Illinois just the other day. So this is a good chance for Nebraska. I don't I don't want to look at this Purdue team as, you know, some unbeatable giant. It's definitely within their cards to get it done. I think it requires a big game from Rink Mast. I think Casey Tominaga, um, he's going to have to have a certain amount of impact. He doesn't have to be the leading scorer, but you'd hope at least, you know, 14, 15 points from him. And then just combine it with some good defense and rebounding. You know, the, the Wisconsin game wasn't necessarily impressed by the rebounding. This is another opportunity to get it done, but I do worry a little bit. You look at Indiana and you look at Wisconsin, those last two games, they're they're really starting to find ways to punish Nebraska for doubling the post. And this mm-hmm. is a game where you have arguably, you know, not even arguably at this point, I think it's pretty well clarified, the best center in college basketball as of now in Zach Eady. If you oh, want yeah. to double him, you got two games before you in Indiana. I know we beat Indiana, but they got a lot of good looks and possessions um, by when we double the post, they'll send another guy to cut the basket and they'll take that matchup between their forward and whoever our weak side wing defender is. And that's that's something to watch. See mm-hmm. how Nebraska defends the post. If we double it, which it's Zach Eady, um, that might still be the way to go because you're going to take the weak side help uh, stop and, and as opposed to just getting Zach Eady, whatever he wants inside. But it is something to watch. See how Nebraska, if they continue to double inside on Eady how they try to 
remedy that backside help a little bit because that's two games in a row they're getting torched on it the wisconsin one in particular there's quite a few times where you're seeing guys like Jamarcus lawrence um just getting mm -hmm. caught in the center versus you know a power forward or even at times you know the center in itself so some things to watch for this nebraska basketball game if they're able to get the job done i think that's going to make quite a few waves you can get back into that tournament talk right now we're heading towards the first four out, uh, which isn't great this this time of year for Nebraska basketball is when it tends to head in the south direction. So it's a good opportunity. Get some momentum. You're at home. You're 10-1 and one at home. Make it 11-1. at one. Beat the number one team in the country. Um, and then you have all eyes looking at Nebraska basketball. Third opportunity yeah. to do it. I think if you drop this one, it, it's really going to be hard uh, to get eyes on this team unless you just dominate from here on out in conference play. But if Nebraska is happens to get this win, what kind of wakes does that make and further momentum going forward? And what's your kind of confidence level heading into this game? Well, it'll just it'll just bring in a different attitude when you come into practice, you know, when you come in to, to prepare, watch film of the previous games. It just gives you some something because obviously they're number, you know, Purdue being a number one team and college basketball is a little different from college football. So you have number one teams getting upset or highly ranked teams getting upset it all season long. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't change much. But for that team um, that wins, because for that team that loses, they could probably drop one or two notches. That's about it. But it won't be something that like dictates because of how the bracket works come March. So it'd be it's a little different there. Um, but for a team that's getting the victory, that confidence could just get there to a point where your confidence in your offense, confidence in your defense, players trust each other because they found a formula that works. Like, oh, we beat this team. This is how we did it. We played defense. We shot the ball good. Free throw. We took advantage of the charity strike. That means every time we were, at, we were there, we're 90% or more, 95% or more. So we're taking advantage of free shooting. And then wherever our strengths were, we, we, we were able to handle those as well, get those effectively going defensively, offensively, because then – when they look at other teams, it's going to be a different frame of reference. We see Purdue. They're going to see Michigan, Michigan State. They're going to look at those teams differently now within our conference because that's where we're at, Big Ten play. So looking at the teams that usually are up against us and we always struggle, it's going to be a different feel going into those games if we get this win tonight, if and when we get this win tonight against Purdue. Yeah, so definitely be sure to watch them again. It's on Peacock, a little different for everyone out there listening. If you want to support the Huskers, um, you can head to the vault if you can find a way to scalp some tickets. I'm pretty sure that place, I'd imagine it's sold out. I'd have to get the numbers here during the break. But yeah, definitely check it out. Support the team. I do think this is still a very good team with a legitimate shot of making the dance. Yeah, I don't even think it has to be close. I think they're good enough where if they just can get some more consistent play, I think they can find themselves there pretty solidly. But a big test tonight versus number one Purdue. Um, before we go to break here, let's talk a little bit esports as obviously director of esports at UNL. I'm on green here, host of the show. I know you guys are in a little bit of a lull period, but what does the esports world look like for you guys right now? Oh, so we got uh, everything kicking back off on uh, Monday, I believe. We have the the back coming back, big esports conference, and we have Overwatch starting on Monday at 7 p.m kicking off um i don't know i gotta look on the website i haven't checked it in a while to see who our opponent would be but it doesn't matter <laughs> we got a game <laughs> we got to play against them and as the format goes so whoever we play on monday we play that same university but in in four different games overwatch 2 rocket league super smash brothers and then thursday on valorant super so overwatch 2 on mondays at seven smash brothers on tuesdays at seven or or any time that we made a schedule 
for the other team or, or even our team because we might have students that might have class or can't get out of class at the at the time. But Wednesday is uh, uh, Super Smash Brothers at seven. And then Thursdays are always Valorant at seven. And we have teams coming, uh, more games coming in the fall, Call of Duty and I believe Rainbow Six Siege or and or Apex Legends will be thrown into the back as well. And so we have some, um, I say, some good conversations about that. And then for uh, myself and a few of the students, uh, Z, who is our school president, or I say program president, excuse me, pro, um, esports program president, and Jaden, and that is part of our uh, Call of Duty team. He's the team manager for the Call of Duty team and and player. Um, we got I got asked to come out to Super Bowl um, week, and it's going to be, as everybody knows, Super Bowl this year is in Vegas, and so they're doing a Gamer Fest college fair so we could bring our information about the Nebraska esports program and have a recruit, you know, have basically recruiting session out there in Las Vegas at the college fair. So I'm going to speak on a few panels, but then also it's going to be local area high schools in the Nevada area that will be coming to this event. So we can basically, you know, let them know that university of Nebraska has a program. We're giving out scholarships. This is what we're doing. These are the games that we compete in and, you know, and I'm your coach and we have really good um, team teams now that are competing um, in different conferences, and we're looking to add more people to our roster um, from everywhere. So we get get out there, kind of display what we're doing for Nebraska esports and Nebraska as a university. And so I'll be make sure I, we plug this all the time here on the, on, on the ticket, and then get some other um, news outlets to get 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 coverage of us while we're out there, and get a lot of a lot of video, a lot of pictures taken while we're in Vegas. Yeah, and you said that's for the Super Bowl weekend. You'll be down there doing all that. Yeah, Super Bowl week. So I'm gonna fly in on um, Sunday or Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, I have an event where I'm going to be casting for the HBCUs. They're doing a Madden tournament, I believe, at the HyperX Arena, which is the esports facility there inside the Luxor Hotel. Um, I'm doing that on Sunday. And then the College Fair and the Gamer Fest, or the Gamer Fest is on Sunday, then the College Fair is on Monday um, and Tuesday. And then uh, the kids, uh, Jay, uh, Z, uh, Jaden and Z, will fly in on, um, I think they'll get there probably Sunday or Saturday, just like myself, and then leave out Tuesday afternoon. And then I'm there for a couple more days. It's a couple football camps they're doing for kids, local kids in the Vegas area that I'm going to be a part of as an NFL alumni. Get to coach one of the camps um, with uh, my good friend and now I say teammate, coaching teammate, uh, Jen, Dr. Jen Walter. So she was the first female NFL coach that Bruce Aarons hired for the Arizona Cardinals back in, uh, I believe it was 20, 2016, 2015, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And she's wrote a book and she has a foundation um, called a day in the life where she does football camps for 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 young women and little girls across the united states and that's her foundation and that's her cause right there so i told her anytime you need help let me know i was able to have her uh, a part of my um, intro to esport or intro to sports media uh, mass communication class this past semester she spoke to the class and then we reconnected and she told me about this camp and i said hey let me know if anything i could do to help and she said if you could coach come coach I'll be in Vegas. I said, let's make it happen. And so now <laughs> we're, 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 I could say we're part of the, part of the same coaching staff. So I'm super excited. Um, you can follow her on Instagram and Dr. Jen Walter. You can see me. I just made a post for her to advertise the event that's coming down for us. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun. And I know uh, you'll probably run into DP and Foreman. They'll be heading down yes. there representing the ticket. Um, who knows? Maybe bring Foreman to a couple of those uh, 
gaming things as well. See what his reaction is. See if you can, you know, beat him in some of those games. I, I'm not sure. I think he's big on the NFL Madden. Uh, I'd like to see a one-on-one matchup, what that looks like oh, between you two. It. Yeah, we need, it. We need <laughs> that down. As soon as, as soon as we get stuff at the, at the ticket, we'll be able to do that in-house. We won't have to do it in Las Vegas. Yeah, don't tell Rico because we still need him to work. We can't, we can't have Rico just playing <laughs> games all the time while uh, he's clocked in. But nonetheless, we do True. have one unknown texter. We, we've answered this a few times, but just for anyone who's new, who's tuning in, um, how do I watch Nebraska eSports and where do I get known? notifications a uh, great question here so we are at several places come next week we will be on nebraska esports our twitch channel just like i mentioned nebraska esports on twitch and youtube and or big esports conference that's on youtube and i believe twitch as well mm-hmm. um, but every week once the season starts i'll be talking about it and i'll lay out everything here on um the stream and the show and i'll even put it in the chat too once i have it where i could copy and paste it i'll throw it in the chat but right now um, it'll be on Nebraska Esports on YouTube and Twitch and Big Esports Conference on YouTube there. And uh, we got, I believe, like I mentioned in the uh, fall, Harrison, that the the land uh, championship weekend will be in uh, in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio mm-hmm. uh, at their facility. So I'm excited about that. So we, we know right now at the halfway mark, we got nine more weeks of games left. Now, I know Smash has pretty much been the dominant team for for us, but we have Overwatch been working through in the break. Really good practices, really good scrims. We'll hopefully, work off the kinks there, get things rolling in the right direction. Valorant um, and Smash and Rocket League has all been, you know, slowly getting the wheels turning again, getting out of our uh, holiday break and to get back in this competition mm-hmm. and try to get teams qualified to drive what about ten hours east to uh, columbus i've never been to columbus i've been to ohio i've been to cleveland i've been to cincinnati but i've never been to columbus so i'm super excited to have a chance to to drive there because i know we'll be driving for sure <laughs> road trip um, out to columbus for for some for a land event and have some good time and meet a lot of the teams and coaches that we are competing against online and get to see them face to face and and i think we start to build that that uh that competition but also that respect for one another as an organization as a university that we're competing together against each other and we're trying to win but at the end of the day we're all the we're all we all know the same process of what we what we're doing at our esports program at all the universities in the big 10 and around the country that we're practicing we're putting in time where you know these students are student students first they're studying they're getting ready they're trying to pass tests they're trying to get ready for life but then as 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 us coaches we're trying to develop them and develop some of the other coaches that are on our staff like the team managers that i manage here get them better to under so they can learn how to be better coaches when they want to do it themselves absolutely so definitely be sure to check them out um and again as we get closer when we do have those matches we'll be announcing those and tell you guys to go um also be sure to just follow him on green. He's pretty active on there. He'll retweet, let you know what's going on with Nebraska esports. But with that being said, we'll go ahead and throw it to our final break here on the Amon Green Show. Amon streaming in. Host as always, Harrison back at the studio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Doors Plus. Welcome back. Thank you to Doors Plus for that sponsorship, as always. And we're back for the last segment of the show. My man Harrison, what's good? What we got cooking? Doing good. Uh, just some quick notes. The Memphis Grizzlies season 
Uh, ended Ooh, twice. Yes. Ended twice yes. in the same season. You get Ja Morant <laughs> back, the grand opening. Um, and then shortly after, he is undergoing a season ender season ending injury uh, for a torn labrum, I believe, in the oh, shoulder. Yeah. So Ja Morant out. Some quick news there. Uh, Nikola Jokic continuing to be what I believe is the best person in the NBA. Dominating. Only took three shots versus the Pistons. He's very selective. That's how good he is. You know, you're elite. When you can be selective on the effort you're going to put in. He only takes three shots, yeah. but they get a win in resounding fashion anyways behind Jamal Murray's 27 points. Pistons, uh, you could argue Spurs, kind of been those teams this year where if you need a win, that's who you hope to play on your schedule. They seem to kind of help be those momentum builders. Um, in NBA news, I know LeBron's getting incredibly frustrated with the team. He's preaching patience. But yeah. let's talk about the Lakers, as they're always a fan favorite for most people to talk about the Lakers. Um, let me double check here where they're sitting in the standings, but they've been on a little bit of a skid themselves here, but with Los Angeles Lakers, with the unit they have, they're sitting 18 and 19, um, not even above or at 500 anymore, sitting at number 10 yeah. in the Western conference, winning about 48% of their games, three and seven in the last 10. So that's is where you're getting the patience from LeBron James with the Lakers. How, realistic is the shot for them to make any sort of run it's kind of the lebron effect where you don't want to count them out because it is lebron james but at the same time uh they have been on a pretty nasty skid here losing to the heat losing to the grizzlies losing to the pelicans timberwolves uh you name it they have let's see let's count back here so yeah their last six games or excuse me so four game five game uh losing streak they're on right now as it sits yeah yeah i mean it's something this is where obviously basketball being not as physical where you do have to and then it's it's just as team oriented as any other team sports out there. And at the pro level, you get a little hint of, you know, it's a little bit of that ego that comes in that you gotta still not have it. But I've seen certain players starting with, you know, you go to Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. Bill Russell, you go back that far where guys in basketball just had to be like straight up like, hey, man, what you going to do? Like, are you going to play? Are you going to defend the guy that you're covering? And so you got to know when to pull and push on your teammates in that essence, because you don't want to insult nobody. You don't want to basically tee nobody off where they're not happy with you, where they don't want to they don't want to listen to you anyway. So you got to find it's that fine line you got to float on, because as you we watched the 30 and 30 of, of, of Jordan, the last dance where he would literally lay into a guy mm-hmm. physically and verbally. And Bill Russell did the same thing. I remember he talked to, he came, I know Mike, uh, Mike Sherman had Bill Russell come in, talk to us one night before a game. And he would tell us he would give Koozie the business when he wasn't doing <laughs> his job. You know, he was like, hey, man, what you doing? You know, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it light. And so, <laughs> The NBA has that thing about it where I see it and where teams are like this. They have the talent. They just not it's not hitting. And it is what it is. I think where player players got to realize, OK, I just got to know my role and do my role, do my job. Don't try to go outside of my realm of my position. Listen to what my coach is telling me. And then whoever the leader on my team is. And it's real easy. You can't miss who the leader on the, the Lakers is, is, is LeBron. So when he is telling me stuff. He's been down this road a few times. He's got some rings on, you know, his finger at his house. So let me tune in. Let me be that player. Even if it's AD, a guy that we know can be more, can be dominating. But sometimes even the best players have to be those role players. Because once you realize that, then you understand the team concept. Sometimes you got to sacrifice your your um, 
your 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 identity or who you are and be that player that needs to be stepping up in the middle, playing more defense, passing the ball more or doing what you need to help this team win. And that's where sometimes players get lost because as an NBA, it's less players on that court. So that means a lot of people are looking at you. They're making a ton of money. That's all factor in there. But you just hope that the best players don't let any of that because that's those are the excuses to make you know, the for themselves. So they don't do that. So they could still come out and be the top player that they can be in terms of AD LeBron and everybody that's on the supporting staff uh, for that, for that team. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here with one more note on the Phoenix Suns, another team who I I feel like I was right about this. There's a lot of hype going into this team. Obviously you got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, um, and then Bradley Beal as well. That's three players, elite offensive playmakers, as you said, someone is going to have to give up the ball more than they're used to doing so. Uh, and you're seeing a team who, as most people anticipated, they're not great on defense. They they can score a lot of points, but defensively, that's kind of been their biggest weakness. And rebounding, the same thing. Phoenix Suns, this was my my argument the whole time. I get the argument, um, you know, who the hell is going to guard the third guy? Who the hell are you going to guard? You know, you have to guard people on the other side of the court as well. Yeah. And that's been the problem. You, they're right in times where if that third guy is Bradley Beal, they have a hard time matching up against it. But on the other end, you need defense. And I don't see it happening for this team. As we wrap up here, Phoenix Suns, as they sit just above 519-18, is this the team that's going to get it together as we get closer to the postseason, or do you expect this team to kind of fizzle out maybe as a play-in or an early low-seed playoff team? Man, man, this is, another, this is a team that last year, I was hoping that they would go further, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I was hoping it, because they have the talent. Devin Booker, a guy that has just developed into that player. You know, he is that competitor. When he gets hot, you know, there are people comparing him to Kobe. Yeah. And so, you know it's there, so now you're just waiting to see. You got KD on the squad too. You have uh, big guys in the middle that help them out. Gary, uh, Gary, Grayson Allen, Bradley, you know. So you you have a squad that has done it. They did it for a stretch there last season, and even two seasons ago back in 2021, they did it where they were a problem to most teams in the West. And then once they got into the playoff, that's where things came to light. The East met the West. Defense was a little bit more more priority than some of the West teams that they had competed against all season long. And that's traditionally how the NBA is. The West seem how don't play a whole lot of defense, but the Eastern conference teams do. And so when you got in the playoffs, that's when you kind of saw the, uh, the train go off the rails there, but hopefully for my sake, and even for their sake, I mean, I want to see good competition because they have the talent on that team to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We got to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, this has been the Amon Green Show. And with the Phoenix Suns, I'm kind of right there with you. I think there's a chance for them, but someone's going to have to sacrifice a little bit, especially on that defensive side of the court, whether it's Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Bradley, or Devin Booker. Pick your poison. Someone's got to step up if they want yep. to start changing the season, turning it around, because um, the you know the net differential is about two points, exactly where they're at, about 500. So there's going to have to make some sacrifices exactly. on who's going to be giving up the ball, playing more in defense, but there's plenty of ball left in the NBA season as well as college basketball. And we will still have the Nebraska basketball post game after Purdue tonight. So don't go anywhere. Plenty of ticket weeknights ahead. Shout out to Amon streaming in as always the host of the show. I'm Harrison back at the studios. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night.